Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. Hi, I'm Axial. And I'm Herfy Turfy. And this is Go Mode, a Link to the Past randomizer podcast. Season 2! <laughs> is that what we're calling it? Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with the gun noises. The yeah. Oh, yeah, well, no, those are... That's those season 2's uh, name. Horns. Air horns. Yeah, those are air horns. It has to be yeah. air horns. But yeah, here we are. I I don't know. We're not really calling it season two, I guess. But uh, it definitely sort of feels like we're we're turning a new leaf, starting a new chapter in the uh, go mode journey. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, we made it through the dungeons, and uh, now we're gonna open things up a little bit uh, with our conversation and have more general conversations today. As you've undoubtedly seen the episode title, you see that we're talking about rupees, rupee farming. Um, just everything kind of related to getting rupees in uh, Link to the Past randomizer. So very excited to talk about that. I've been on a boat for the last two weeks or so uh, for my honeymoon. Um, so I have not played a lot of randomizer. But uh, both of my esteemed co-hosts, Herf and Axe, have been pretty busy. So I'm going to turn it right over to them and uh, go ahead and, and tell me what's been going on with you guys. Um. So I guess I'll, I'll start on this, and, uh, you know, I've <clears throat> been exploring some other randomizers. I think I remember either last episode or the episode before that I talked about playing uh, Link to the Past, you know, cross uh, Super Metroid randomizer, and gave some thoughts on that, and uh, I've gotten more adventurous and uh, dabbled a bit in, I looked at playing Ocarina of Time randomizer, but that's kind of a, a bigger community around that and people more familiar with it. But there is, uh, I don't know if our audience or hosts even know about this, but a Majora's Mask randomizer. And yeah, I'd, I'd heard about it, but I have almost no exposure to you know how it goes, what it is, other than you know the, the little bit that you've mentioned to me before yeah. this show. Yeah, exactly. So, but I so, love Majora's Mask. Love that game. I played it a ton when I was a kid. So I do um, too. And that's yeah, why I, I picked it. it up, because I remember it pretty well, and it was my absolute favorite Zelda game. Mm-hmm. But uh, in playing it, I've what actually it has done is made me appreciate things in Link to the Past Rando a lot more, and <laughs> made me a lot more knowledgeable about like the design decisions that the Link to the Past randomizer developers have made and have been able to make. So, <clears throat> just to give a brief kind of overview, the way Majora's Mask randomizer works is obviously the items are randomized, but it works a little bit differently than in Link to the Past. So by default, what it randomizes are the, obviously the like dungeon item chests, the heart pieces, and the masks. So you don't have like rupees in the pool, you don't have like random bomb drops, bomb chew drops, things like that. It's just basically the, the more significant items and heart pieces. And okay. this, so there's less of them then, right? <clears throat> right, but less. if you remember Majora's yeah. Mask, there's like 8 million heart pieces. <laughs> right. So whereas your your trash items in Link to the Past are like a big 20 or some arrows, instead it's like a, a heart piece. But uh, because you only get three or four full heart containers, the heart pieces actually are somewhat useful just to avoid dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I and, guess that, that's true in uh, Link to the Past randomizer as well, but uh, so y- there's a lot less of them to go around, it sounds right. like, in Majora's Mask. Okay. So so there's a lot less. Um, the game basically kind of works in stages, just like, you know, Link to the Past random, obviously it's like, okay, get Dark World access, get access to do dungeons, and then get access to GT. In mm-hmm. Majora's Mask, it's like, get 
access to one of the transformation masks that's the um the deku the zora or the goron mask then get access to a temple and then get access to you know the other areas and uh it, it's uh it, it can be a long time so i have not finished the seat i'm playing but mm. i have put in about six hours and wow. i have only finished one temple yeah. oh that's man. crazy <laughs> Yeah. Um, that, now obviously, that's... I'm I'm not very skilled, but <clears throat> you know, looking at the Majora's Mask community, a randomizer community, they actually really focus, kind of like Link to the Past does, on a quote no major glitches. Although there's no such category in Majora's Mask racing, mm-hmm. but that kind of mentality. So the big tricks that you can pull off in the I'll call it the Ocarina of Time engine, they don't allow for Majora's Mask races, but there's not a lot of racing that goes on because these, you know, seeds take a long time to do. Um, you know, just just let's just kind of start breaking things down now in terms of what I've noticed between Majora's Mask Randomizer and Link to the Past and give some people some, some color and flavor to tie it back to what our main topic is. So the biggest one that I, I've noticed is the time commitment is extraordinary. Um... You know, you can, even if you are not a speedrunner, you don't really know Link to the Past that well, I would say the worst case scenario for a seed is like eight or nine hours. Okay, so is that someone who is familiar and has done a few? Yeah, like they at least know how Link to the Past like works. Like they're like, it's not like I've never played Link to the Past ever. Even if they're like, I played it when I was 10 and now, you know... 20 plus years later I'm picking it up again I would imagine like 8 or 9 hours is Mm -hmm. probably the worst anyone would do now I could be wrong it could be 10 or 11 or 12 but point is I guess so if I use my kind of timing that I have so far so I've got 6 hours in uh, in Majora's Mask Mm -hmm. I'm still missing 3 songs and unlike uh, you know uh, Link to the Past the songs are one of the key items you can't you know finish the dungeons or call the giants to actually get up into the moon unless you have the songs so i'm short three songs that i need otherwise and and the light arrows Mm -hmm. but otherwise i'm good to go yeah but yet i only Mm -hmm. can do one dungeon and uh you know i would figure maybe another two to three hours for eh, maybe not each dungeon but at least to get me in position to do the dungeon so my guesstimate is i may be halfway done and that would put this at like 12 hours yeah that's a really long time commitment yeah yeah so you know links to the past randomizer once you kind of get into the groove of things being you know two hours three hours maximum for some of the more brutal seeds really can't be overstated just how perfect of a time commitment that is. it's like a sports game I know we use a lot of sports analogies, but it's like you sit down, you know, for a few hours, you're, you're invested in this. By that time, you're kind of ready to move on. Um, you know, also like watching a movie, you know, those are usually around two hour um, run times or, or so, you know, give or take. But um, yeah. anything longer than that, it, it really gets tough to, to stay committed to it in one sitting. Right. And that's kind of the thing is from a, a racing perspective and a getting casual players into it and then becoming kind of the new blood of the more you know hardcore for lack of a better term community uh 
if your opening thing is okay you got to play this for like 12 hours even 10 hours uh it's going to be hard to get people into it. So would and, you recommend playing one time? Like, how, how's your one playthrough going? Are you enjoying it? I mean, I, it's actually pretty fun. Okay. But in doing that, I've noticed a number of things that are challenges and the fact that this is very rough around the edges still. Okay. I give a lot of credit and a lot of shout-out to the people working on it because the problems that, you know, you have in logic and routing in Majora's Mask are way more difficult than in uh, Link to the Past. I'll give you an example. So in Majora's Mask, as you know, when you reset the time, you lose all your bombs, arrows, everything like that, but you also lose some like quest-related items. Like a, You have some letters, you have some other things you can get. And there's a very long side quest in it called the uh, Kefi and Andrew side quest. It's like a, a couple that got separated because of magic and you have to get them back together. It's very cute. One of them, like, but, turns into a kid or something. It's yeah, like, like, sort, sort of strange, kid, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's a very cute quest, but there's multiple different points in it that you get items. Well, mm. think about it. Those items now could be anything. Oh, man. And if you need to do... And the side quest takes all three days. So let's say that there's an item drop almost near the end, and that's one of the, let's say, the Deku Scrub... Uh, uh, certificate things that let you, uh, you know, the go deed. to a, the deeds yeah. that let you go and and open one of those. Well, let's say you get that, and you actually are going to need that deed for two progression items. One of which is the actual deed item. Uh, so that is, you know, you need to use it to go fly up somewhere. And let's say that gives you the the bow, but then the the paper can also get used for the guy down in the toilet in the inn. Uh-huh. And if that's the only paper you have access to, well, guess what? you got to do that whole thing again mm-hmm. just to get the paper. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, what I'm hearing now is the, the next thing is having this day reset and this real-time schedule kind of structure adds another entire layer, another element to the randomizer um, that may, you have to kind of wrap your brain around. Absolutely. Like, I... I cannot imagine playing Majora's Mask Randomizer without a tracker because it could be. So I talked about that side quest. There's mm-hmm. items you need to have to actually complete that side quest. And those could, again, drop anywhere. So let's say a random you know hole out in uh, you know, the Termina field gives you the letter that kicks off the quest. Well, if you need to do the quest multiple times, you have to go get the letter multiple times. And so you better remember where it was that you got that letter you can't just check it off and say okay i got the letter i'm good to keep going you have to remember oh yeah the letter is in that one hole in the southwest after you fight that um dekubaba thing Mm -hmm. so it makes it have a lot of backtracking and a lot of i mean just the amount of things you have to keep in your head is enormous um and you know it's basically just doing side quests all over the place and some of the side quests are really long and tedious like the equivalent of a pedestal seed would be like a couple's mask seed where the couple's mask is the final reward from the Kefi and Anju quest and it would be a huge huge pain to actually go through that whole quest to get a go mode item at that point so that's that's kind of one thing and this is just I 
I think, kind of an unsolvable problem for Majora's Mask, unless they allow you to stack multiple items on top of each other, like you can do in Link to the Past. Yeah. Well, it kind of raises an interesting point. You know, I I was never, like, a huge fanboy of the game A Link to the Past, but it's just so perfect when you randomize it that, like, now I know everything about this damn game. You know, so it's, like... I, I guess Majora's Mask Randomizer is great if you just absolutely love Majora's Mask and you've played it a bunch of times and you want, you know, kind of a different new spin on it. But the, you know, community around Rando, you know, what we know is Rando, I think developed because that is such a perfect, uh, you know, not only randomized game, but randomized speed game, which seems like a super specific thing, but it's pretty popular at the same time, so... Yeah, I mean, what, I, what I've learned from this is that you need a number of elements to make a good randomizer. And <clears throat> my thoughts kind of on Majora's Mask are this is, and again, I mean, no, you know, people disagree, feel free to send in mail or comments. I feel like Majora's Mask randomizer is perfect for a, you know, you want to play a randomizer, but you don't want to be a, a speedrunner of it or anything like that. It's, it's kind of good to just play on your own casually. I, I really struggle to see as robust a, you know, speedrunning type community yeah. developing around it because mm -hmm. the barriers to entry are so high. And I, I feel like Ocarina of Time, it's a little different because Ocarina of Time, you don't have the daily cycle problems. And I think there are a lot more just speedrunners of Ocarina of Time than Majora's Mask because it's a larger pool to draw your initial people from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate a lot of the little things that are in Link to the Past Randomizer, like the ability to swap between the mushroom and the powder. Uh, that actually was probably not easy for them to kind of code up and get working, but the ability to do that makes it so if you get the mushroom, it doesn't overwrite your powder. In Majora's Mask Randomizer, if you get a different swap, you know, title deed, it will overwrite your title deed. Uh, so you might be... Having the swamp deed, you're gonna go, you know, fly up on top of the roof of the boat shop, and you go to the end of a dungeon. Oops, you get the ocean deed. Well, better hope that you didn't need to go up and get whatever was up there, because now you can't. Yeah, Herfy Durfy, what is up, my man? How you my doing? Man. I'm doing all right. <laughs> I'm a little tired from last night, which I will get into it in just a second. Yeah, uh, what, and what do you uh, think? Yeah, it's it's been going pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what are your thoughts mask? on this? Yeah, Majora's Mask randomizer, and then we'll talk about your uh, uh, experiences. It, it sounds. I mean, you guys pretty much covered it all, which is why I was so quiet for the most part. It, it's just it sounds like the the edit step of the being able to reset the time and the chests and stuff. I mean, you get to keep a certain amount of items, obviously, but just having to keep track of that all and then you know with the the items overriding each other and stuff like that i can see improving over time as the randomizer gets better if people continue to work on it mm -hmm. like the link to the past randomizer was far from perfect when it first started out you know so right. i right. can totally see that improving but i don't really see a good way around the whole yeah you have to keep in mind that if you reset time now you have to redo all these quests that might have items at the end of them that you need for another quest that takes forever and stuff like that so that's just the game yeah yeah, yeah. that's I mean, majora's mask you know mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it almost feels like 
And again, I really hope that the development team keeps working on it because I do think there's promise there, but I agree that they may need to rethink the mechanics around which the game works mm-hmm. to make it a little more accessible and a little more user-friendly. I, I don't know how they do that, though. Yeah, that sounds like one of those easier said than the game kind of statements. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah. feel like that is a thing that probably just by the nature of it can't come before kind of like the end, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, mean, right. you know, after you've got everything else figured out and refined so far that it's robust and it works well, then you can go, okay... How do I change the actual gameplay mechanics so it's more accessible to more people? Right, and I think right now they're still working on getting down, getting the kinks out in the system. For example, whenever I started playing this, uh, there are kind of two forks of the same branch uh, because one of the devs, and I'm not sure what's going on there, but they've discontinued work uh, in the current time, and the kind of official version out there only has a about 20% of the seeds that are even completable. Mm-hmm. So they recommend before you even start playing, you run a script to double check the seed and make sure that it generates okay. Um, there's a kind of fork off of that that's a group that's trying to work on the logic and, and figure out why there's these bugs that only result in about 20% of the seeds being viable. And they do have some fixes and patches, but um, it, it can be a little confusing getting started uh, because mm. of this. Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting that they have it set up like that. Yeah. But it's good that uh, they're doing a little bit of quality control, make sure that yeah, you, know, no, you it, can beat a seed. I mean, I think that's pretty important, <clears throat> you know. Um, yeah, I mean, especially because unlike in Link to the Past and Majora's Mask, you can, I think, a lot easier, easily have items get kind of locked in impossible places mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because you need items to... There's so many fetch quest items, yeah. um, and it's pretty easy to get the logic messed up on that. But um, to kind of wrap wrap up on this, you know, I think there's promise there. I think it might not work as a speed game, but might work as a great casual game for people who like Majora's Mask. And uh, if there are people out there listening who like Majora's Mask and uh, want to give it a shot, we'll you know encourage you to to go check it out because uh, I do think it's it's you know early on, but I think maybe two years from now we could see something that's. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, I will uh, make a point of putting something in the episode description for people who are interested in learning more about Majora's Mask Randomizer. Um, you know, a link to help you get started, maybe, to, you know, to a Discord or something. We'll, we'll find something to put in there. Um, but I, I would love to go check that out. Um, so thanks for sharing those experiences. Um, Herfy Derfy, mm-hmm. can you tell yes. us a little bit about what you've been up to? <clears throat> yes, I have made my triumphant return to Rando, it looks like. <laughs> All right. So nice. May first uh, is national holiday here in Germany, Labor Day, our our Labor Day, I guess. Uh-huh. And uh, I was sitting at home and I was watching my friends play, and I thought, you know what? Why not, you know, play a seat? Why not just download one, set everything up, start your fire up your stream, and see how it goes? Why not? And huh? Why not? Yeah, exactly. Why yeah, not? Yeah, might as well. You're... It, it, it just it, it felt right. So um, I did all that, and I played an open seed, and it it went really well. Like, the, the game really... It, it must have felt that I needed to come back and that it needed to be nice <laughs> to me because it, it worked very well. I finished in about 1.45-ish, around that. Um, okay. 
and uh, yeah, it, it, it was just fun. It was a fun seed. Uh, it, it wasn't too hard. It wasn't too easy. Everything lined up pretty nicely. I, I had a good time, so I wasn't immediately repelled by how horrible and terrible <laughs> Lando treated me. That that uh, is which, huge for you for Herfy Derfy. That is huge. So. It is. I'm I, happy for really. you. Yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, in the same night, I played my first Triforce hunt with my friend Files, uh-huh. uh, which was a lot of fun. I, I had never tried that mode before, and I really enjoyed it. I have to say, I, I hear it can be sort of trolly, you know, when, yeah. when it happens, mm-hmm. but it it worked out really well. And the the Triforce hunt that you generate for yourself is 20 out of 30 pieces and not the 40 out of 50 pieces that you usually see when Triforce hunt is being shown on SG in like a daily race or something. Yeah. So that makes it more bearable as well. Real quick, let's let's um just briefly talk about Triforce hunt because uh, mm-hmm. it is it is pretty cool and I don't think we've ever actually mentioned it on the show before. Yeah, so Triforce hunt is basically as the name suggests you're hunting for Triforce pieces. And uh, it's either, you can set how many you want it to be, it's either 20 out of 30 total pieces in the item pool or 40 out of 50 total pieces in the item pool. And the the seed work the same, like as far as progression items and stuff like that goes, but you'll find uh, Triforce pieces instead of big 20s, I believe. Yeah, I think big 20s items. are the first replaced. There must be something else, too. Yeah, because it can... Because they run out of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Probably I think it's like maybe arrow upgrades or arrows or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you collect those pieces and you have a little counter at the top that tells you how many you have and how many you need total. And as soon as you open the chest or kill the boss or whatever, as soon as you get the last piece... The game immediately warps you to the Triforce room and you're done. That's the whole goal. Yeah. And it's cool because it, they, you know, like like you said, um, it, when it goes right, you know, they're 30, 40 minutes, you know, something like that. Nice mm-hmm. little bite-sized version of the randomizer experience with, with some differences. But, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, randomizer gods will cackle and uh, all yes. of the pieces will be in Ganon's tower or, mm-hmm. you know. Some, something mm-hmm. to that effect or, or, or you know, pedestal yeah yeah it, it can go extremely wrong if you're unlucky but yeah it, it usually they're pretty nice bite-sized pieces as you said if you want to have like a quicker run ours ended up being around one hour 10 minutes which is kind of long even for a for a triforce hunt 20 out of 30 mm-hmm. but yeah. it was still fun and uh, i can totally recommend that for people who you know just want to play a little rando but don't have maybe two or three hours or don't want to do the whole agatushi bang and all that stuff yeah the one main strategy difference i've noticed when you're playing or i mean it's pretty obvious when you think about it but you're just you're maximizing item uh efficiency you know getting to as many yeah. items as quickly as possible mm-hmm. not necessarily like doing as many crystals as possible because Hopefully you you're not going to need all seven crystals. It's not going to come to that. So yeah, exactly. Uh, it, yeah. it puts pendant dungeons way more in the forefront of your mind. If right. It's like mm-hmm. oh, I have a pendant TR and a pendant, you know, swamp. Well, there's a lot of items there, and there's probably at least one or two triforce pieces. Yeah, I never even bothered map checking or anything because it just doesn't matter. You just go where you can go and mm-hmm. where the most items are because you're really just trying to find those pieces as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then there was another mode that you played that maybe a few less people might have heard about. It's, it's something pretty new, right? 
Yeah, it is pretty new, and <clears throat> I have to say that really cemented. I I always said if that ever happens, I'll probably come back to Rando, and it really it's a ton of fun. So I've been able to kind of beta test uh, a link to the past randomizer multi world with a couple of my friends, Ooh. and um, just to explain what multi world is, uh, it's been a thing in Ocarina of Time Rando for a while. And what it does is you have a number of players from two to whatever. I think 256 is currently the, you know, technical maximum number, but I wouldn't ever want to try that. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but the items of each player's seed are mixed between all the other players. And it's connected via a Lua script and the internet and magic. And uh, whenever you pick up an item, currently, since it's in beta, you pick up the clocks as a placeholder item. Mm. And uh, the colors correspond to the players, but unfortunately, there's only three clock colors. So, you know, as soon as you have more than four players, you're kind of kind of guessing who, you, who you're getting items for. But there's So a, what was their fix for that, just in the, in the short term? Uh, it's just you. There's a log running on the side in like a little command window, and oh. it says Herf picked up a hammer four player five, and then in brackets it says what the player name is, and then gotcha. you know, okay, so I found something for you, which kind of works uh, at the beginning. If you we played a standard seed last night, and it started out fine because everyone had to do their escape, and you know things went along smoothly. And then everyone walked over to Lost Woods and picked up their two items there. And everyone was like, yeah, you found my boots. Yeah, you found a sword for me. And people were like, yeah, I'm waiting in Escape until you guys find bombs for me. So you better hurry up. I'm not leaving here until I can bomb the back of Escape. And you guys have to find the bombs for me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then suddenly everyone started going into Kakariko and doing well. And back of Lion's Hut and the item log with 13 players, it just exploded nobody knew what was happening <laughs> i suddenly suddenly you know i walked into blind's hut and picked up four items and then i walked out and suddenly i had an ice rod and a red boomerang and a cape and a bottle and like 400 rupees and <laughs> 50 arrows and i'm like what is happening yeah. and it, it plays a it plays a sound every time you receive an item oh, from someone and it was just absolute insanity. <laughs> so if you there needs to be, you know, it's it's really helpful when you can actually see what item you pick up. So once the placeholders are out and you actually see the items that you're picking up. And uh, we were talking about maybe there's a way to color code the log for at least your own name. So you can quickly glance over at it and see that you got something or what you got. Okay. I have some questions. Sure. Go right uh, ahead. So so when somebody picks up your item in their mm -hmm. world, how does it get to you? Does, do you just instantly have it when they You find instantly it? have it, which oh. uh, leads to super funny things like a fighter sword that is the length of a master sword because you've got the master sword in the middle of it and the game's like, oh, he's got the master sword, he's got longer reach, but the sprite hasn't updated, so it's oh. like a long, white, weird-looking sword. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> you have a short fighter sword looking sprite, but it's the co blue color of the master sword because the update just kind of totally screws with the sprites. So you'll have the reach, but you won't see it, and it'll be like a short fighter sword that's blue like the master sword and shoots beams. And, and like all kinds of crazy stuff happens. So you mentioned earlier you were you were feeling a little tired. You got into one of these last night. How many how many people were on that one? 
that was our first standard. We played two opens the day before. The first one with, I think, seven people. The second one with eight people. The one last night was, uh, was uh, 13 people in total. Wow. Uh, do you have any idea when this will be available for people to check out en masse? Uh, well, in, uh, as far as I know, first of all, I want to give a huge shout out to Bonta, who is the maker of this, basically. I'm not sure where he got the first idea. The Lua and everything that it's based on is based on the co-op script, as far as I know, which also, you know, was made it possible to exchange items between two players. Um, and it, he just, like, developed it further and made it m possible for more players to connect, and we're kind of still working out the kinks, but... Uh, in theory, you can already go to Bonta's GitHub, which I'll try to get the link for later, and you can just download it and try it out for yourself. It's basically a public beta at this point. Um, yeah, that is so, an uh, engineering marvel to me. The, the yeah, fact that someone so cool. can make that work is, is uh, extremely impressive to me. Yeah, and he's like, I really all praise Bonta is the big catchphrase for, uh, for us all. Like, <laughs> if you look at our stream from last night, there's a praise Bonta at some point somewhere on screen. But uh, he really, he does a great job and he's really, really good at like immediately supporting stuff. Like last night, uh, we were playing with Buane and he was playing on an SD2SNES. So it works, uh, just to give a little more technical background information, it works uh, currently on a special version of SS SNES 9X, uh, if you have to play an emulator, which is what I've been using. Um, you need a special version because the, the normal version doesn't support the Lua scripting engine, but it's really not a problem to set up. I extracted it into a folder, I copied my config file from my normal emulator over, so it had all my settings immediately, and it just worked right out the box. So it's, it takes like five seconds to set up. Wow. Uh, and then you need um, a, a thing called QUSB to SNES, which is basically the connector between uh, your USB port, in theory, if you're using actual hardware, and uh, the, the game. Mm -hmm. And then you need uh, the multi-world stuff from Vonta that is Python-based, and you just double-click a file, and it, it lets you put you know the server address in, and you connect, and everyone connects, and then it, it's all good. Herf, I have one final question. Ask away. And I want you to be honest. How, how long do you think it would take me to set all that up? Uh, with the with the with the with my help and with the um, what shall I call it the documentation that I think the lane has written uh -huh. maybe an hour yeah an if hour. at all <laughs> if at all maybe sure. probably half an hour oh that's it's, good it, that's pretty it good sounds right. it sounds a lot more complicated than it is and I do have to say for you know if you're using it the first time uh it's it's a little daunting because you have to install a lot of crap that you usually probably wouldn't have like the qusb and installing right. python and all that stuff oh, that's but the once, hard part yeah, yeah but once you time. you know it's it's kind of like the usually like that but once you you have it set up it's it's not a problem nice. so it's it's pretty accessible i would say but yeah, we had we had some technical issues. Wayne was playing on hardware yesterday, and whenever he reset the item lock for him, started replaying, so he would start receiving all the items that he had gotten already from the beginning. Uh -oh. So he he was like he had like nine progressive shields and fourteen progressive swords, <laughs> and he was at like 
5,600 rupees and 20 hearts 20 minutes in, and he was so stacked. He swung his kept, sword one time in Misery Mire and yeah, died all the way up in Ganon's Tower because he, he had a He got so much sword. stuff over and over, but the bad part about that was it wouldn't give him the new stuff that other people found for him until the replay of the item log was finished, and it would always replay in real time. So if I had found an item for Buen an hour and 30 minutes in, it would take the log an hour and 30 minutes to catch up to that oh. item to give it to him again. Oh, wow. So we just, nice. you know, that's kind of stuff that we have to figure out because that's... worked yeah. out. Yeah. Cool. Well, we will uh, keep you updated as that develops. Do you think we'll ever be able to see, like, a uh, multi-worlds, like, tournament or exhibition or something like that? Like more Yeah, we're really, we're really hoping for that. I think our next test will be teams because it does already support teams, um, which means you can do, like, 3v3. So we were talking about a multi-world league, like the league is currently set up, which is teams mm -hmm. of three people for each, you know, like, league team. Imagine oh, that would be cool. Imagine yeah. a 3v3 multi-world league kind of thing, you know, where you know, three people, maybe even on the same seed for both people, which yeah. would make the most sense, and then you yeah. race it against each, other, each team. It's, it's really a good time. I can I, only recommend. I mean, I just have to say, this is remarkably similar to what we've discussed on this very show in the past of, you know, sharing the knowledge uh, between, you know, multiple runners only this actually integrates it within the the actual game. Yeah, you um, don't need to be on mm -hmm. chat or anything. Yeah. So Yeah, it's as I said, it kind of, it's kind of based on the whole co-op thing. There the first co-op stuff was just two people in voice chat sharing information on where stuff is, and then someone developed a Lua script that would actually share the items between two people and now it just shares it between however many people you can stomach. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I I'm going to see that 256 shared uh seed exhibition and see how that goes oh yeah, boy i don't want to play it i don't want to participate <laughs> in it i just kind of want to you just want to watch, watch the fed level unfold. yeah yeah the, Seems chaos. Like the kind of thing that'll happen exactly one time and then over <laughs> again you know for good reason yeah. Um, After it's done, they'll be like, "Yeah, we we switched it. It's now only maxes sixty four people because uh, everything broke." Yeah. Uh, one last thing I maybe want to mention real quick is uh, that I personally find very interesting. Um, the the logic also needs to be a little bit tweaked, uh, just for the fact that uh, you don't want someone's mirror to be like sphere fifty or someone's moon pearl to be like sphere seventy five. You yeah. know, because they'll yeah. check 10 things and then they're like, all right, I guess I'm doing the laundry and grabbing a shower and getting something to eat. And then maybe someone has found my next progression item that so, unlocks two more things I can check. Uh, so that's not taken into account right now. Absolutely yeah, not. Oh. I mean, it, it has been tweaked a little <laughs> bit, but we've had seeds, especially Korek has kind of been getting the not so good end of the stick in the seeds that we've played. <laughs> Where yeah. it's like, all right, it's an hour and 30 minutes in, and I need a moon pearl, a gloves, a hammer, the fire rod, and uh, maybe some boots or a bow would be nice as well. And so, you know, <laughs> you just kind of... With the people that I play with, uh, they all... <laughs> They're not very patient people, let's say it like that. <laughs> so once they run out of things they can do in their seats, they're like, hey, uh, is there a way for me to glitch into GT with just this? And then it's... someone else will pipe up and be like, yeah, just do these arcane things. And suddenly, you know, the sequence is all out of whack. 
That is so good. I love that. Oh, That's God. a great uh, motivation for learning some of those like major glitches. You know, like I literally can't progress right now until another person like wakes up and eventually gets around <laughs> to checking what yeah, I they need. finish their laundry and yeah, you know, oh, oh yeah, well, I can get stuff now and yeah. So that's that. Uh, that does seem like it probably needs to be worked out, but uh, still, really interesting concept, and uh, we'll we'll continue to update everybody on uh, its progression and eventual, hopefully, uh, release. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cool. And as I mentioned, I haven't really had a chance to play very much at all the last couple of weeks, but I did spend a little more time than usual on the research for this episode. So I'm very excited to get to that. Uh, but first. We need to talk about the Go Mode tournament that we've been planning and discussing on air and in our Discord. Um, hey. Actually, do you guys want to maybe bump this to the end of the episode? Just like on, on our way out, we'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's a good idea. Let's yeah, let's get into the yeah. Get into the All right, we won't right. talk about it here. We lied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we will push that to the end. Um, you know, check the time codes if you want to just jump to that. Uh, but right now. We're going to make some rupee moves. Get Te money. Teach you how to money, get money, that money. money. All right, money, let's do money, it. More problems. All right. Do you want to make more rupees? Sure, we all do. Hi, <laughs> my name is Timp, and along with my co-hosts, Herfy Derfy and Axial, we're going to walk you through how to make sure that you have as much wealth as you're going to need as you adventure through Hyrule. Um, so let's talk about rupees and rupee farming. Um, what, is, what do you need rupees for in A Link to the Past randomizer? Um, one of the things you might have noticed when you first played the game, uh, the randomized game, or maybe watched it, is uh, in randomizer, the normal rupee limit has actually been extended, where it used to only be um, three, I think it was 999 before, mm -hmm. um, and yep. now it goes up to four digits, and you can, you know, it seems get, you know, several thousands of rupees if you needed to, or, you know, it, were, it found that many. Um, you can hold them now. Um, but what are some of the reasons that you need rupees in A Link to the Past randomizer? Anyone? Pod. Uh, Zora. Yep. Pod. Zora. Those are both, uh, so one is a dungeon, one is an item. Um, so, uh, there are sort of like progression locks actually in the game, uh, where you need to have rupees in order to be able to check that item or go into that dungeon. Uh, so we'll, we'll count those off, uh, here in a second. Um, but the, uh, other thing is there are actually, there's sort of an economy in the game. There are, uh, you know, sometimes you will need to buy items, um, or buy, you know, really specifically bombs and potions. Those are the main two. Um, you know, there are upgrades that are also available. We'll, we'll discuss, but, uh, there are some things that you need to use these rupees for, not just for progression, but also just to make your life a little bit easier and kind of provide a little bit more of a safety net for you. So you have that available for potions. Um, now let's, uh, let's, let's specifically list, I want to list all of the various things that you do need rupees for. So we've got that list, uh, and I'll list them kind of in the order that you kind of come across them in a typical seed. Um, so 100 for the bottle vendor, that comes up very quickly. 500 for Zora could potentially come up quickly or it might be something you need to come back to or maybe you can ignore it. Uh, in order to get into pod, you're going to need 100, which includes uh, 10 before that 100 to pay for Kiki. So that's 110 right there. Uh, there are two items in the Village of Outcasts uh, and, the, and the general vicinity of that. 
uh, games that you need to play to get items. There's 30 for the chest game and 80 for the dig game. Uh, and then Herf actually pointed out when I had missed, uh, you need to pay 10 rupees to the blacksmiths before they'll give you the item that they've been working on for so long, which I didn't even realize they were taking that's, 10 of my rupees. That's a, for that's that. a pretty, uh, pretty cheap price for Link. They, uh, the blacksmiths need to be. Uh... You know, selling things at a little more value. At that point, just give it away. I was going to definitely disagree with that because, I mean, Link straight up saves that one's life. So it's like the least he could do is just give him a sword upgrade or an item or whatever. Yeah, yeah what about I mean... that other guy? He's been hammering away for ages. <laughs> he's got to eat, too. It's not his fault. He's got to work twice as hard because that other guy's he's just gone. He's just hammering. He's, he's super buff. He's like, all I do is hammer all day. It's, uh, it's a tough life, but... Uh, a rewarding one. Well, the, the good news, dwarf in the land. Yeah, the good news is, by the time you get there, like I said, I never even noticed you. You definitely got ten rupees usually by the time you've got yeah. the Titan Smiths. You know, it's it's um, not something that comes up a lot, but it's something that not a lot of people realize. It's it even plays the rupee like deduction sound when you yeah. take your item, and but nobody ever pays attention because, as you say, usually you have more than enough money by that point. Yeah. So all of those combined uh, are the things that, you know, dungeons and items that you need to unlock with rupees. That's 830 rupees. So in a typical playthrough, that's you're probably going to need at least that much. And if you don't come across that much, uh, you know, through the items that you're getting and the different checks that you're making, that's that's going to be considered one of those seeds. It's just like a, a very stingy seed. It's not, not giving you a lot of money to work with. Now, I, I do think it's worth mentioning a lot of times you're not even going to have to think about rupees. You're just going to get everything that you need. Um, there are, uh, we'll go over the denominations of how the rupees are uh, distributed through the item pool here in a second, but there's a not uncommon chance that you'll get a 300 rupee drop or, you know, a 100 or just a whole bunch of big 20s, you know, it's nicknamed for the 20 rupee drop. Um, mm -hmm. so, so that you'll have the rupees as you need them whenever you come up to whatever it is and you don't even have to think about it. And that's great. That's how, that's how you want it to be. But there will any for anyone who plays a, a regular amount of these seeds on a regular basis, there there definitely comes those seeds. Um, you know, I want to throw out a percentage. I don't know, like twenty five percent of the time, maybe, where you do find that you you need to, to make some money right away. Um, classic example is you know maybe you've got four hundred and fifty rupees and you're coming up on South Hyrule. Uh, do you take the time to do a fake flipper and go up to Zora? and get that item uh well depends how fast can you make 50 rupees because that's one of the requirements to, to be able to do that so it's, mm -hmm. it's situations like those where you need to know okay i need to make some money in my current position with the items that i have what is the fastest way to get that money and is it worth even doing that that's what i really hope to you know discuss today and enumerate some of those uh places and, and things like that um so uh, what do you guys think? Are you ready to uh, go through some of these? Let's get rich. Let's do it. Cool. Okay. Um, so uh, the denominations in the pool I wanted to mention, uh, just for posterity, we're talking about rupees. Let's just get it all out there. In a normal uh, standard or open seed, this is from the ALTTPR.com website. Uh, going to the generate seed, uh, you can choose, uh, you know, how you would want to randomize things if you were doing a plando. And the default that it has in there is what it is when you do a standard or an open. I think specifically an open. Um, they're going to be very, very similar numbers either way. But in one of those seeds on normal mode, 
um, and remembering that hard mode and insane mode and easy mode actually change these numbers a little bit. They get rid of big 20s um, to replace them with other things, for instance, sometimes. In a normal seed, you've got seven instances of 50 rupees, four instances of five rupees, there's one 100 rupee, there's two one rupees, there's five 300 rupee drops, and there's 28 big 20s. Um, for a total of 2,532 rupees distributed throughout the item pool. Now keep in mind that doesn't account for, you know, if you're just running around killing enemies and they drop rupees, you know, obviously that's separate from that, that 2,532 number. Um, but that's what's available just in the item pool. Um, so, you know, hopefully you just come across, uh, you know, most of those before you need them. Um, but, you know, we're going to talk about what happens when you don't. Um, so... We're going to assume this, or you know, open and normal for for the rest of the episode. Just kind of assuming that that's you know kind of the item distribution that, that we've got for our rupees. Um, what are the general odds to encounter the cash that you need organically, and how likely will you have to be to stop and farm? We kind of talked about that, you know, about twenty five percent. Would you guys agree with that? You know, how often do you find yourselves hard up for some rupees? I would say maybe even less than twenty five percent. Yeah, maybe because well. We'll get to this in a bit, but I'm a a big Houlihan doer. Okay. So that that gives me a lot of cash right mm -hmm. up front. Um, so that's obviously going to tank the number of times I need to worry about rupees. Mm -hmm. I I personally think, yeah, I'm maybe I would even go as low as five percent. Oh, okay. If I'm being honest, mm -hmm. because even if you like, you know, Kakariko is usually a place that you get to relatively early when you play, and the bottle vendor is probably your first rupee roadblock. I want to call it because getting a hundred rupees that early, it doesn't always happen, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes Kakariko is pretty stingy, but even if you can't afford them right now, Kakariko Village will be a place that you come back to very, very often. So I'm not really worried about that. Very true. I think yeah. you guys might be, you might not be taking into account all of the times that you, you know, leave Blind's Hut and then come back to get an extra 30. You know, like, I think that counts to me as like, you had to do something to make sure that you had the money that you needed to have for a bottle vendor or to buy bombs, um, <clears throat> which is one of the main things you need rupees for. Um, and, and this really comes up the most in the early game. So let's actually talk a little bit about the early game. Um, which honestly, we could spend a whole episode just talking about, you know, opening moves essentially. But um, usually, in my mind, there's, there's kind of like three things that you're trying to make sure that you have money for at the beginning of the game because they come up right away in the light world. Um, the first one I'm thinking of is do I have at least 50 rupees so I can buy bombs if it comes to it? Um, mm -hmm. You know, in, usually Kakariko's early on in people's checks because there's so many items, I think it's like 13 items there. Um, but a few of them are bomb locked, and it's a place that you can get bombs so that you can then go to, say, you know, Mini Moldorm Cave and use bombs there, or Ice Rod Cave and, and use bombs there to continue to get more items. So you, you need to be on the lookout that you're, you've raised at least 50 rupees before you get there so that worse comes to worse, you can go buy some bombs, go buy 10 bombs for 50 rupees and, and be on your way. Next thing you want to try to get uh, is the 100 that you need for the bottle vendor. So this raises uh, sort of an interesting question that I want to ask you guys. Let's say you have somewhere between 100 and 150 rupees, like 112 rupees. 
Do mm-hmm. you roll the dice and go ahead and buy what the bottle vendor has and risk not having enough to buy bombs if you need it? Or do you go ahead and play it safe and buy the bombs and hope that you'll find and raise the rest of the money to take care of bottle vendor before you leave? I 100% check the bottle vendor every time because, if I may say so, I even disagree with you that you should farm the 50 bucks for the bombs. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not a 50 buck farmer either you because just, I'll uh, go use, to the South Grove. Yeah, you just use the bush at the South Grove. That is a 50-50 for a bomb drop. And as soon as you've one bomb, you bomb the hut in the lower left of Kakariki and get four bombs. And you do that twice, and then you're at max bomb count, which is probably even faster than farming 50 rupees somewhere. Yeah, I, although I will say if you're in standard mode, that might make sense to farm the 50, just because you would need to do a save and quit to go back to your house to get easy access to the South Grove. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I see what you guys are saying. I guess it depends on if you, you know, if you're one of those people that does come into Kakariko from the south or from the north. Mm-hmm. I And I know a lot of people go north through um, Lost Woods and then down south into Kakariko. Um, so if you're going yeah, that like way, you... Standard yeah, standard mm-hmm. Yeah, like you, you don't have yeah. access to bombs, so, yeah. you know. It, yeah, if you're coming in via, like, the standard mode route then I absolutely agree you might be needing to farm those 50 bucks. But if you are in open mode and coming in, and I'll be maybe a little blunt here and uh, hot takey, but uh, in my opinion, in open mode, you should never be coming in Kakariko from the north because there's almost no scenario in which it makes sense to do that, to come in from the north rather than starting out going west, going to South Grove, getting a bomb, and then opening up the uh, the bomb hut, I just can't see a, a, any combination of drops that would make you abandon that play that early on. Uh, well, I would argue that it's slower to do that than it would be to come from the north. And if you get lucky with your drops and you get bombs and a hundred rupees for the bottle vendor before you get to those points, then ultimately you saved more time doing that. Yes, but then okay. So what, what the the play then is? You start at Sanctuary instead of Link's house. Mm-hmm. You open the chest there, then you go into Lost Woods and you check the two items there. So you've got three checks that you can get to give you the cash or the bombs that you would need. Well, no, because you start at Link's house and you you go you get what's in Link's house and then you go up to Escape and you get those two and you oh, do a tree pool, which doing, we're also going to discuss. Doing escape. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Especially with V30, uh, you know, so it used to be in 29 and and I think a few iterations before, uh, bomb upgrades, the capacity upgrades were mixed into the item pool, so you would occasionally get plus five bombs. In V30, that was uh, phased out and instead replaced with three bombs, I believe. So you're a little more likely than you were before to find bombs somewhere along the way, not to mention, again, the tree pool, which we'll talk about in a second. So I, I didn't even think of going up and doing escape first, just because you could potentially be doing escape with no weapons. Well, that's the thing is you, you, I'm not saying do all of escape. If you do find a weapon in Link's house or the secret passageway, then like by all means, turn around and go do it. But even if you just check those three chests plus the tree pull, that's four more opportunities to get bombs and or, you know, some significant Mm -hmm. roopage. 
So I, I, that's what I do. And then I go to Sanctuary, and then I go north, and I come down through Kakariko. It is a little bit of a right. dice roll, but I feel like ultimately that is faster, except when it doesn't work. And I will concede that, yeah, then I, I feel like I should have gone from the south. But that's how I play think, the Earth? early game. Uh, I'm just going to say, don't be a dirty Uncle Router. <laughs> what? What does that mean? <laughs> don't play open mode and start out in Link's house and then go up the uncle route and then even do escape maybe if you find a weapon. That's that's no good. Start at Sanctuary, move to the west, go into Kakariko. You're good. So just go straight into Kakariko but without any bombs or rupees? Yeah. Why? Start at Sanctuary, work your way west. The item density is much bigger. You're going to get but a what lot about more all the things stuff. That are... What about all the things that are locked behind bombs and rupees that we're talking about right you'll, now? You'll get, you'll get there. You'll get there. There's a bush down there at the bomb hut that's, uh, no way, that's in the dark world. But yeah, even if world. it worse comes to worse, you can still save and quit, start at Link's house, and then come in from the south. But then you have to go back to those places in Kakariko. Like, so every time you go into uh, Blind's hut or the Kakariko well, you're just rolling the dice hoping that you'll get a bomb? Yeah. Yeah. More often than not. I don't know, guys. I mean, I mean, I'd be, be curious how that odds actually work out on that. Because I'll be honest. Got... I'll, I just want to say it's it's a little bit of a meme, the dirty uncle routers. So you know, of course, it's your choice. Do whatever you want. There's uh -huh. people who are like, I do uncle every time. It's it's much better. Yeah, but no, I I'm, just yeah. It, I'm glad it, we're it, talking feels, about this. Yeah, I, I feel like the gamble is worth it more often than not. Yeah, well, let's think. So you've got okay. So if you're gonna come. I like how we've gotten totally off topic of... No, this is good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. Okay, so let's think about this. So you, you start out... If you're going to start out up north, you're going to start at Sanctuary. You're going to pull mm -hmm. the chest in Sanctuary. Mm -hmm. You've got two other drops in Lost Woods. Mm -hmm. And then you've got uh, another... How many chests are there? In four. Hut? Four. Yeah, four without the bomb. Plus... And 30 rupees. Yes, that's right. If you can get um, through the, to the bomb. Yeah. If... Um, uh, And, and yeah, then, if you if you all you need is one bomb to open up the bomb hut, mm -hmm. or fifty dollars to buy ten of them, I, I think that actually might work out in your favor more often than you think it would. That's what I'm saying, and it does usually, except when it doesn't. And then you know, I just find that the risk of it not working is better than, you you know what you guys are talking about is essentially doing the more safe thing. Yeah. Except that you're not, because you're talking about going to Kakariko without any bombs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, 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 don't, mean, I don't know. As, as accent, you've got two, three before Kakariko, four in Blindside, another four in the well, which is really, you know, it's a time loss. I won't argue that, but it's not a huge time loss to get back from the well to Blindside. And then uh, you've got the back of the tavern, which, you know, now we're starting about bigger time losses. Yeah. But right. even if that doesn't work out, you're just, you know, okay, you're going to have to leave two checks, three checks behind in Kakariko. Then you go to race game, then you do uh, Link's House and South Shore. And by that time, you hopefully have something good. But that's a lot of checks to find yeah. at least enough money for ten bombs. Yeah. Yeah, the one that thing that would worry me is let's, let's imagine like a worst case scenario with this where you're not getting any cash and you're not getting any bombs. It could really extend things. Like if you're, you know, suddenly having to double back and do, you know, blinds hut again, and then you're gonna have to go and you don't have let let's say too you don't have any weapons either. You're mm -hmm. just getting like boomerangs and and other things that aren't 
arrows. Helpful. Yeah. I mean, it'd be unlikely that it would last that long, like, all the way to South Shore, but you would then be at a huge disadvantage. Yeah. Because you would have no way to, you would basically go and you would check the, like, you know, dam gate thing, and mm-hmm. then that would be it. Well, I guess you could get really desperate and go check, um, what's his name in the desert? Agina. Uh, Agina and yeah, then Agina. Ice Rock Cave, potentially, if you're really super yeah. desperate. I mean, that ice rod check, though, that would be... I would say even going to Agina at that point is a mistake. You just would want to bite the bullet and go South Grove, farm some bombs, and go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, so, I don't know. Yeah, yeah and we are we are pretty far off topic now. So, mm-hmm. uh, But <laughs> it is an interesting uh, conversation, and maybe something we'll have to revisit. Um, and, you know, sound off in the comments uh, if you are... Um, but let us know what you think about early game, because as you can tell, there are a few different methodologies, and I'm interested to hear what people that have you know put more research into it might have to say. So let us know what you think. Uh, to get back to what I was saying before, though, the three things that you're kind of look on the lookout for for money. Bombs, which uh, maybe you are, maybe you are, <laughs> it turns out. Um, <laughs> bottle vendor, I think we all agree. It's better if you just have it. You can just do it and get the 100 from the bottle vendor. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the third one, early game that you're looking out for, is that 500 for Zora. Obviously, that's a huge jump between the you know 100, 150 versus the 650 or 500 that you're looking at. You know, to include being able to pay for Zora. But sometimes you get you know a 300 in one chest and a 100 in another. And now, really, you're just talking about farming for 100 or so rupees. And if you also find the Moon Pearl and maybe even the Flippers, you've got a really strong, compelling case to go up there. And check all of this stuff that's in the Zora area. And it'd be real nice to be able to have a quick conversation with Zora and, you know, get your life lesson and, and move on from him. So you don't have to wonder if maybe, you know, your Titan's mitts are actually in there, you know. So mm-hmm. those are those are the three things. So a lot of the rupee farming that you do see happening will probably happen in the first 20 to 25 minutes of a seed in order to make one of those goals. Usually, you know, pod, uh, that, that, you know, 110 that you need for pod, usually people have enough there. It's pretty rare that you see someone get in a, in a bind where they need to farm for that one. Uh, and I would say the same applies for uh, the, the two that are in Village of Outcast, the two games, um, dig game and chess game. Usually that's uh, pocket change at that point. Um, so, so a lot of this rupee farming and the methods we're going to describe are things that are usually uh, early game kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um so that brings us to the main attraction. Let's talk about some ways to make some rupees quick. Uh, and I think it makes a lot of sense to start out with something, Axial, that you've already mentioned called the Chris Houlihan Room. So if Chris you could, Houlihan. yeah, give us your yeah. best sort of... Thank you for winning that Nintendo Power Con- <laughs> uh, Contest like 25 years ago. Yeah, so that's uh, the start of it. Pro- yeah, provide us sustenance and life when we are penniless. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so Houlihan, um, so basically there's two well-known setups. There's other setups, I believe, as well. But the two that I'll go and briefly talk about are the setup without flippers and the setup with uh, gloves and a bomb. Question. Yes? What is the Houlihan room? Oh, yeah, that would help. <laughs> um, so it is basically, for lack of a better word, term it's where the game puts you if it doesn't know where you actually are supposed to be 
Um, it's basically like the error room. Like, you're in an illegal spot. I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, you go here. Um, and it was uh, the back. It, it's filled with 225 rupees uh, in the form of 45 blue rupees, uh, which is why you actually want to go there because it, uh, you know, gives you a lot of cash at, you know, basically no cost except time if you set it up correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll talk really briefly about how to get in there. Um, so again, there's a way. The the first way I'm going to talk about. If you get the flippers, which uh, you can't do this, which is why uh, if you are low on money, the last thing you want to see is the flippers, because now getting into Hulahan Room becomes very difficult or impossible, depending on your items. But uh, if you don't have flippers, what you'll do is you'll start at Sanctuary, you'll walk down to the path. You want to stay as high up on that path as you can, um, so you're kind of like just going to hug the wall. And when the screen wraps, you're then in the graveyard. You want to kind of hug the border of the graveyard um, so that, you know, southern wall of the graveyard be right up against it and walk all the way, you know, east. Once the screen transitions, you're going to walk over to kind of where the tree is, go up, and you'll see there is a, a very suspicious looking bush and there is a platform that you can use to get in and out of the water. What you'll do is you'll go up to where that platform to get in and out of the water is. You'll jump down four times, and each time you'll notice the screen kind of like is moving upwards in a way and, and staying there in a kind of weird, glitched way. And uh, then once you do it four times, you'll walk over, pick up the bush, fall in, and if you did it right, you'll be in the Houlihan room. And when you leave, you'll be back at Link's house. So if you want to do an unconventional start and guarantee a Houlihan room, you could start at Sanctuary pray you don't get the flippers, and then do this and be right at Link's house. The second way to do it requires you to have a glove upgrade and bombs. And uh, you'll still be going to the graveyard, and what you'll do is you'll go over to the uh, the grave that you push to kind of drop down to where the rats are with the uh, the escape bomb, you know, bombable wall, and you're going to push the grave so that the hole opens up, but hold off on actually falling in, and then plant a bomb uh, so that you kind of have the hole to the north, then you, and then the bomb to the south, and let the bomb explode. It should push you into the hole, and when you fall in the hole, instead of falling into escape, you're going to fall into the Hulian room. Okay, so that's the Hulian room. It has something to do with, like, um, the game, you confuse the game as to your y-axis or something. Um, yeah. and, and drop down a pit and whatever anywhere you can do those two things at one you know at the same time the result is Hulahan room um there are you know as Axe mentioned some more common kind of setups uh we'll we'll actually uh, there's a really helpful youtube video where somebody walks through all i think all five yeah, of them th- there are uncommon setups but again I, this might be a little hot takey uh i would say any time you're trying to do Hulahan room outside of those two kind of setups something has gone horribly wrong because you really shouldn't i mean i'm trying to think of a, a scenario in which you would need to do it maybe like an entrance randomizer could, you know where like you don't maybe, have access to the part of the map that you would need like, like the first item is the flippers and then you can't get any money and yeah. you don't have a gloves I, I mean it's it's very edge and marginal and i'm a big proponent of 
don't bother learning the marginal and edge things. Learn more common things first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, one important thing to mention about the Hool Hand Room is it can only be done once per game. Yep. Once you get that money, it's gone. Yep. So uh, it's it's a one-time way to get 225 rupees. Um, have have either of you ever done this unintentionally before? Nope. I, yeah, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was actually trying to rematch Ganon. I think I had fall, I took a Ganon fall, and so I, through some weird chain of events, I messed up my camera on the y-axis and dropped down to fight Ganon again. And I ended up in the Hulhan room and back in the light world. It was kind of oh, weird. Yeah. Oh, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was. I was. I was just like, of course, of course, that happened. Um, but yeah, so that is the Hulhan room, and obviously a really great way. You know, say you do find a three hundred rupee. Um, and you are flirting with maybe, you know, heading up and doing Zora, uh, Houlihan room before you go will, you know, get you to where you need to be so that you can, you can afford to make that check. Um, definitely a strong strategy, uh, to consider. Another thing I wanted to mention real quick about, uh, rupees is, you know, we, we, we normally mention, you know, we're only talking about a certain mode. I did want to give a quick shout out to retro mode. Um, speaking of rupees and randomizer, uh, we've talked about it a little bit on the past uh, in, in past episodes, but uh, that is a mode in which anytime you fire an arrow, it costs you 10 rupees, and firing a silver arrow costs you 50 rupees. So that's another situation where farming for rupees and knowing where to get them quickly is going to be very, very important. Um, so I just want to mention that retro mode, rupee farming, extremely important. Um, Hulahan Room, almost always going to make an appearance in any retro mode uh, seed. So. All right, now we have to talk about something that's a little uh, inside baseball, but it's it's all to serve a greater purpose, um, which is helping you, uh, the listener. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about prize packs. Uh, this is, I think, um, the developer's attempt at making the items that are dropped by enemies appear to be random, uh, but it's actually a predetermined list. That's It's not actually all that complicated to access and and you know see what you're getting when you're getting it but it there are uh there there's a few different types of prize packs that uh you know that you can encounter and, and i'm going to actually link in the description a couple of things um one is from the alttp speedrunning wiki on enemy prize packs and let me just drop this in and share it with my co-hosts right now there we go. And then the other one is from the ALTTPR customizer site, um, which again lets you randomize, you know, pick, do a plando. And there is a page on prize packs that has uh, sort of a layout of, you know, letting you decide how you want to lay these out if, if you know, if, if up to you. And it sort of helps to better illustrate what you're seeing with these prize packs. So um, what it is, is whenever you kill an enemy, first of all, there's a 50 50 chance of it dropping something or nothing. But what it drops uh, will be chosen from one of eight of these randomized, uh, sorry, one of six of these randomized prize packs um, that are normally just completely random. So it seems like that wouldn't be helpful. But here's the thing. When it randomizes, it's just like the items. Let's say you have a seed where the ice rod is in Link's house. If you delete your save data and come back and play that seed again, the ice rod is still going to be in Link's house. That's, that's how this seed was made. That's how this game is now. So the same is true of these prize packs. Once you know a prize pack, the information about it to be true, that will be persistent. And you can utilize that in some cases to make sure that it's not really a random drop at that point. You actually know what you're going to be getting. 
So one of those situations that I want to talk about in a little bit more detail is the prize pack that's associated with pulling on certain trees around Hyrule. And there's one in particular that's right outside of that secret entrance uh, to Castle Escape. Um, there are uh, What you can do is if you kill an enemy uh, before you get up to that, if you kill one enemy, that puts you into a certain, uh, a certain prize pack priority. Uh, that then lets you check, you know, what is in there. So you can go up to that tree and pull on it, and you'll have four items uh, be spit out from that tree. Uh, there's, it could be pretty much anything. It could be small magic, uh, full magic refill, arrows, uh, green rupees, and sometimes blue rupees or even red rupees. So it can be worth it, um, you know, as we were kind of talking about a little bit more earlier, to check this tree pull, you know, kill one of the guards with a sign, before you get up there and check this tree pool because you could get 80 rupees right off the bat which again it's going to be huge when you get into kakariko and you need to account for the bottle bender and maybe maybe buy some some bombs um so with these uh uh you know resources up here guys um is there anything else you want to mention about uh these prize packs and kind of how they can play into randomizer and you know ways to kind of make this work for you to help farm for rupees well, personally, what I want to mention is not just for rupee farming, but just in general, it's a thing that people often forget about is the stun prize pack. Yes. So yes. any any way you can stun an enemy, including freezing it, as far as I'm aware. Um, so a boomerang, a hookshot, freezing it with the ice rod or ether or something. Uh, if you kill that enemy, it'll drop the stun prize pack. And the stun prize pack can, again, be anything from a heart to a green rupee, a red rupee, an eight bomb drop, maybe even a fairy. So not just for rupee farming, but just in general, if you know what your stun prize pack is, it can bail you out in a number of ways. Yeah, and the, uh, the way to stun an enemy, um, a hook shot, you know, if you hit them with a hook shot and then kill them, they that falls <laughs> under the stun pack prize, whatever comes out there. And, and mm -hmm. that's always one item, right? That's always the same yeah, every time. Same mm -hmm. Yeah, so that can be extremely useful, especially if it's something like magic or full magic refill or fairy, yeah, uh, which exactly. is another yeah. option. The, yeah. the, the big ones are full, any kind of magic, fairy, and maybe bombs. Those would be the best ones. Mm -hmm. 20 rupees may be useful in an emergency. Everything else is basically trash. You're mm -hmm. never going to be like, oh, man, I need one rupee or one heart. Let me stun some guys. Yeah. And it could be good to know which trees specifically around Hyrule will work for this because it's not all of them. Uh, the one in front of the secret entrance to Castle Escape or Secret Passageway uh, by Castle Escape is certainly a, a popular one. There's actually another one up near the Lumberjack, uh, the, the Lumberjacks. Um, mm -hmm. But So I'll see if I can find a map, maybe and put that in the description as well. Um, so you guys can check those out. But uh, a couple other prize packs that are worth talking about. One that I, I saw someone use one time. Uh, whenever you pick up a fish that is uh, bobbling around on the land and throw it into water, it will thank you by throwing you its own prize pack item. So Whoa, that, really? Yeah, so that can, Whoa. you know, if you check that, sometimes that. that could be a full magic refill or bombs or a red rupee. Um, so if you're really desperate when you finish the uh, South uh, Dam... Um, you know, when you drain the water and you see the fish flopping around or, or let the water out, uh, you can pick one of those up and then go over to where uh, past Mini Moldrum Cave and throw it in the water there. Um, and yeah, sometimes you get something useful. So there mm -hmm. you go. And then the last one is uh, the bush crab 
prize pack. And this one is uh, pretty important, especially from a rupee farming standpoint. So there's three of these that you're going to see in your early light world checks. Um, there is one that is by the lumberjack area uh, and you'll want to pick the bush up. Be careful not to throw the bush at the crab or else you'll kill it. But if you pick the bush up and throw it away, it'll skitter around and drop, I think, six of one item. And it's, it's always the same item. Um, and it's another prize pack. So it could be, um, you know, green rupees, arrows, bombs, whatever. It could also be red rupees and it drops six of them. So that's 120 rupees right there. Here's the thing, if you go off the screen and come back, it'll do it again and it'll be the same item. So if it's red rupees and you wanna get rich real quick, just farm that six times. You can do it a total of six times and then it moves on to a second prize pack and it'll give you a different item. Um, so uh, yeah, I wanna quickly mention, if you manage to pick up the things it drops, like you pick up the bush from the bush crab and it starts dropping stuff, and if you manage to pick up six items of that, it'll drop the second item in its item pool after that. Oh, okay. But you have to be fast enough because it poofs after a while. And usually it runs around in such a way that you can't be fast enough to pick it all up. But if you manage to be fast enough, it'll drop its new prize pack in the first prize pack. Okay, so I'm sorry. So just clarification, if you get all six of them when mm -hmm. it's running around, the next mm -hmm. time it'll drop whatever's second in the prize pack. So if you manage to get six of them and then the bushcraft drops a seventh item, it will be a different one. Gotcha. Okay. So if you don't collect all of them and then you go off the screen and come back, it'll be the first item again? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm not sure about that. It might have something to do with what you just said with the repeating stuff. I'm, I'm not 100% sure about that, though. I, so I went into the ALTTPR Discord to ask some questions. And, and by the way, shout out to those guys. Um, Espeon is always in there answering questions for people. So shout outs to them. Mikan and Shiku Shiku, we were all kind of talking a little bit about it. And, um, you know, when I was asking them, from what my understanding was, was in vanilla, the first prize pack, it, it, uh, it gives you one green rupee six times. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the seventh time, it switches to the second prize pack, which are red rupees. Uh, and it, it does the same thing in randomizer, but I might have misunderstood that as it gives you six of that first one when you first pick it up and then it switches mm -hmm. to the second. Yeah, one. I think you misunderstood that. It's okay. just if you're fast enough, the first six item will be from the first prize pack and then the seventh item will be from the second prize pack. And I then see. once you leave the screen and come back, it starts at number one again and then it I goes see. the same way. Okay. All right. I'm glad we clarified that. Um, and it's absolutely worth mentioning because it's too often I see people score a red rupee on that and then just walk away and not do it again. It mm -hmm. Definitely, you should farm that, you know, and maybe even just get your full 500. I, you could definitely make an argument for that, especially retro mode. You know, that's a place you're going to hang out for a while to get those rupees. Um, uh, real quick, I mentioned there's that bush, uh, bush crab that's by the lumberjack. There's another one that's in the Lost Woods. So that's another one you can take advantage of. And then the final one is in the South Shore area, um, Lake Hylia South Shore. Um, so, There's also another yeah. one when you pick up the big rock up Death Mountain. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it only spawns after... I'm not sure what the, what the requirements actually are, but sometimes when you go up there very early, it's not there. I think it only spawns after you do a certain something. Okay. So, um, that's right. There is that one there. There's, there's a, another one somewhere too that I always kill. I can't remember where it is, but those, those three, and then maybe the death mountain one are, are definitely the most prominent. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would encourage everyone to check out these two links that I'm going to share. Uh, it really helps to illustrate it. I know it sort of sounds confusing at first. Um, to, to circle this all the way back around to the tree pools again, I did want to mention they have sort of a weird way that they behave, kind of like these bush crabs. Um, uh, you, you have to, the, If you try to do it without having any kills under your belt, nothing will happen. You'll just pull and there'll be nothing there. The first uh, tier is if you've done one to three kills. That's why you need to kill a guard with a signpost on your way up. Uh, the second tier is if you have more than four kills and you haven't taken any damage. And the third tier is if you have more than four kills and you have taken damage. All three of those will net you different items. So, you know, could be worth it to check multiple of those um, if you happen to be thinking about it and you're crafty enough. So uh, keep that in mind. Um, anything else about uh, prize packs or tree pools, crab pools, any of that stuff? I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, that was there. pretty pretty, pretty thorough. That's about as thorough as I mean, Go Mode gets. There, there's maybe honestly. a master class where you actually memorize all the prize packs, uh, <laughs> like like which enemies are in which. Uh, I don't know if anyone has done that because the enemy groupings are kind of random. Like mm-hmm. it's it's hard to keep them all straight. Yeah, um, but I will say when I see somebody like capitalize on like to check another one of these and get something out of it i'm like in awe of that person you know like that shows an awareness and knowledge of the game that just it just puts me in awe so if you can pull that off then please do it's you'll look like a hero if you can so (laughs) cool okay now i want to skip over uh the the next two that i had here and actually move to the next one which i think is is going to be of interest to a lot more people there are a few points throughout uh, Hyrule, both light and dark world, mostly light, where you can do some farming of rupees. You walk in, collect all the rupees, walk out, and then continue doing that over and over. Uh, and this is probably the most common way that you see people quickly farm rupees. Um, and, th- and there are certain reasons for that, depending on each one. Um, so let's talk about these. There's there's three that come to mind right away, and, and maybe there's more you guys have. But um, the first one, and I think this is because it's in Kakariko, is in Blind's Hut. And, and we alluded to this a little bit earlier. Uh, if you're able to bomb the back wall, um, well, first you go in the, the front floor, and then you walk downstairs, bomb the back wall. Uh, there are six pots there, and each one of them has a blue rupee under there. So that's 30 rupees. Uh, when you leave and come back, it has 30 rupees again. So that takes about, I don't know, what would you guys say, like 15, 20 seconds maybe to do that whole loop of walking in and walking out and getting those rupees? Yeah, it's not that long. Yeah, yeah it's not that bad at all. It's not, it's not too bad, but like don't farm your Zora money there or anything. You know, mm-hmm. like it's, it's 30 rupees every 20 seconds or so. So if you just need another, you know, 60 rupees, you want to do it a couple times so that you can, you know, pay bottle vendor and, you know, finish off mm-hmm. your Zora money or whatever that's something you'll see people do pretty frequently so that that's definitely one to consider and it's right in kakariko you're there all the time so it's pretty popular for that reason too um the next one that comes to mind quite a bit and i think it's because it's pretty much the last place you can check before you head up to the zora area uh right outside of ice rod cave there is a large rock uh, as long as you have the power gloves you can pick that up and there's a grotto down there with four pots that have blue rupees under them each. So that's 20 rupees, but it's only one screen. So you can go in and out of that one pretty quickly. It probably only takes about seven to 10 seconds, if I had to say, to go in and get all four of those each time. So, you know, 20 rupees every 10 seconds or so 
if you're sitting at you know 440 rupees and you have the uh you have the flippers uh you know that would probably be a time where i would go in and out of that a couple times to get some more rupees so that i have 500 and i can go up and go to zora and get that item um so so keep that one in mind and then the last one is arguably the best one of all these spots but it's not in a great location this is right outside of desert grotto uh it is kind of near where the like locksmith guy is on the same screen there is a rock that you can pick up uh and a bandit down there and there are 10 pots that all have blue rubies under them which gives you 50 rupees total and you can go back and forth and continue to get this over and over i actually remember doing this one as a kid um i, I guess i read in like nintendo power or something like that that this was here um so that is a great way to make money really fast but it is, you know, like I said, it's off by desert. You know, it's nowhere near the Zora area or Kakariko or any of the other places where you need to spend the money. Um, so for that reason, it's, it's sort of out of the way. Uh, but those three areas are definitely the ones that you can make the strongest case for going in and collecting the rupees, going back out. Tr true farming, you know, like that would be just farming for these rupees. Uh, those are definitely places I could I'd see people do that pretty frequently. Do you guys know of any other spots that kind of you could classify this way that I missed or that even matter at all? Well, I'm trying uh, to think, but not off the top I, of my head, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, not, not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only other places I can think are that have like a lot of rupees are just the dungeon rupee rooms. Right. Yeah. Which we, we, I will, um, you know, yeah. name all those here uh, in, a, in a little bit. Um, yeah, those are the big ones, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. So, um, there is another place that you can go that sort of qualifies for this. It's a game you can play. It's the Arrow game um, south of the Village of Outcasts. And this is very popular in retro mode as a way to farm a lot of rupees in a relatively short amount of time. You almost never see anyone do this in a non-retro seed, especially since it's in Village of Outcasts. Usually people are pretty set on their money by then. Uh, but mm -hmm. it is a like an archery game that you can play with Link, and if you ace it, if you get it exactly, uh, you know, five bullseyes in a row, or six, it's either five or six, I honestly can't remember, uh, you get 124 rupees, and it costs 20 to play, so it's 104 rupees every time you play, and it takes about 15 to 20 seconds for each game. So that's a really great way to make a bunch of money, but like I said, because it's sort of later on in most seeds, and um you know sort of sort of difficult and kind of out of the way you don't see it a whole lot but it is there so the more you know uh, talking about archery minigame i want to give a quick uh, shout out i'm currently in the process of trying to find the clip that someone linked me yesterday quick shout out so of our friend alucard who um has tried yesterday to get the one and only bonus money from the archery game, which happens if you manage to hit the same little octopus with five arrows in a row. The oh. last hit Ooh. will give you 99 rupees. Ooh, whoa. And he did it? So, he did it. He managed to do it yesterday at some point. Wow. I'm trying <laughs> wow. to find it. That's there hard. It yeah, I hope, I hope you can find that, because we'll definitely link it. There it is. Let me link it to you. Nice. I can put That's that great. in the episode description for everyone to see he pops off deservedly at the end there of course he does <laughs> one two three four five wow that's incredible that's amazing <laughs> yep that's really good and that little guy is banging his drum yeah uh -huh. very excitedly wow that's awesome so yeah uh that is another one to keep in mind 
And yeah, let's talk about these dungeon rupee rooms. Um, most of these, like, I had to go find maps and look them up and see, like, okay, yeah, there is one here, which should tell you they don't come up very often. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I would say the pod one you kind of do every time just because there's two items down there. Mm -hmm. The other ones are so late in the game that. I struggle to see a reason that you would need it. Yeah. Maybe, like, like so I'll, you know, so you've, they, you got one in Pod, two in Mire, one in Turtle Rock, and one in Eastern. Mm -hmm. Maybe the one in Eastern is viable, but the Mire and Turtle Rock ones, I'm just stumped at what you would even need that for. Maybe if you're a little unconfident and need potion money, but at that point, the game, you're so late on, you should have... You know, at least three or, or four hundred rupees lying around to buy a blue potion or two. Yeah, mm -hmm. the only time I can think this could possibly be helpful are in other modes that are not yeah, so like familiar to us. Yeah, yeah. So certainly entrance randomizer. Um, I think I, somebody like asked a trivia question, or it was maybe like somebody was just fooling around and, and did like a you know find all of the rupee rooms in dungeons like seed that you had to play or something like that I, i've seen it come up like you know what are these so i'll just mm -hmm. go through them real quick so that people are aware of them but like i said except you know or sorry like axe said except for the pod one probably not anything you're gonna have to worry about going to go get so in eastern palace there's one to the right in the dark igor room that has 18 blue rupees gives you 90 rupees total yeah, maybe you can find a way to use that i don't know uh, that pod basement, um, as Axe mentioned, it's on the way to two items, so you're going to be down there anyway. Uh, if you are still looking for rupees, you know, if you collect all of them, there's 54 total blue rupees for 270 rupees. Um, there's two in the Meyer basement, one in the southeast locked door in that first dark shooter room. There's nine blue rupees for 45 rupees. Do not go in that room. Uh, the other one is in the spooky glitch room. There's a bombable wall along the northwest wall. There's 18 blue rupees in that one for 90 rupees total. Don't go in that one either. There's no reason you should be in either one of those. And then the last <laughs> one, <laughs> I just feel like I, we need to talk about it for some reason. Uh, the, the last one is in Turtle Rock in the east door before the crystal roller room. Uh, you pull out a statue's tongue. I think it's the one on the right. And it will open you up to a room with three crystal rollers and uh, 54 blue rupees, which is 270. Um, but like I said, I don't think I've ever seen anybody use that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that I will I will say I don't know if anyone has ever in the history of Rando gone to that one. Yeah, but it's probably there. not. You need it. Yeah. Okay, I think, and... as you guys were saying, sorry, just really want to quickly say, sure. the Eastern Palace one, probably the only useful one, and I wouldn't, like, underestimate how useful it can be. 90 rupees is nothing to scoff at, especially if you're on your way through Eastern Palace anyway. Mm -hmm. And in theory, at least in theory, um, if you're not afraid of dark rooms, or if you do happen to have a lamp, you can reach that one, like, very, very early on in the seed if you decide to do so. That is true. That's true. Yeah, I guess it's just, you know, it, on paper, it seems pretty useful, like more people should be doing it, but I've just mm -hmm. never seen anyone do it, really, or certainly yeah. I've never done it, you know, so it's... It's just, it, it doesn't come up a lot, but I feel like if you're, like, at 360 bucks or 350 or whatever, and you want Zora money because you can't go anywhere else, that is probably at least the first place that I would choose to go. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Um... 
Okay, and then the last thing, I, I guess I, I wanted to shuffle this to the end because it's sort of a catch-all, is just like, just looking for him. <laughs> you know, just just like <laughs> taking around, throwing pots uh, at the wall, uh, cutting people's lawns for a little bit of extra money. Um, I will say the shovel, you know, we've talked about before as a way to try to mine for arrows, also works great mm-hmm. for rupees as well. So if you are, you know, five, ten rupees away from being able to pay for Zora and you're already up there and you don't want to backtrack at all and you happen to have the shovel, you might want to bust that bad boy out and start, you know, digging around the ground and see if you can't find one one or two blue rupees. Um, I would rather do that than the alternative, which is, like I said, you know, just killing random item-y, uh, re- killing random enemies, you know, swiping at the grass throwing pots around, um, things like that, which can also be dangerous, you know, if you accidentally mess up and get hit. Now you're in a worse position than you were before. So um, that is everything that we have here in terms of rupee farming and what you might need rupees for. Uh, Last chance, fellas, is there anything else you want to say about uh, the economy in Hyrule? (laughs) no (laughs) yeah oh there is there's actually one thing i'm going just going through the notes there is one thing we forgot to talk about um which are the upgrades axe i think you you put that in the uh, capitalism fairy real quick let's just talk about that real quick and then and then we'll call it yeah so the capitalism fairy yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so this was a v30 thing if you recall in vanilla rand or uh, link to the past there's that fairy in uh the light world equivalent of ice palace who gives out bomb and rupee upgrades when you give her money Mm -hmm. um rando v30 added that back in and uh, it's a hundred bucks for each upgrade uh you get 10 bombs for each upgrade five arrows for each upgrade the max is 50 bombs and 70 arrows the one important thing to know is you get a free refill uh i would say you're probably not ever going to do more than one upgrade each but if yeah. you ever run low on bombs or arrows, it's a good emergency thing to keep in mind, especially uh, if you are going into Ice Palace with less than full bombs, you might want to stop there first Yeah, and use some money on that. Yeah, there are not a lot of things to spend money on. You know, we talked about bombs being really the main one uh, and mm-hmm. potions as a safety. I guess you could buy a shield. You know, if you if you wanted a little bit of extra protection, <laughs> yeah, sure. Red shield, and, and you don't find it. Yeah, a shield, and um, you know these upgrades. I would put the three of those. You know, bomb upgrades, arrow upgrades, and shields. Those are like mm-hmm. you have so much money that you just don't even know what to do with it, and you are really feeling dire about your survival odds. Um, then those are things you could buy to maybe try to help you out. But if you're trying to go fast, like, you know, I think most of us try to when we go through a seed, you know, minimize the time we're spending doing any one thing, probably mm-hmm. not going to make your way around to those. I, I could see a case for, you know, one bomb upgrade maybe to help out a little bit with some of the Ice Palace bomb jump attempts and things like that. But, yeah, that's that's really about it for, you know, things you need to spend money on. So Yeah. Cool. All right, we did it. Okay, so we had uh, one email that we received, one fetch question this week. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a bit of a longer one, which, you know, as I've said in the past, is totally fine. We'd love to get those emails. We just can't always necessarily, uh, you know, read the whole thing out loud. But uh, this email was from uh, underscore CP. 
Um, and I'll read a little bit of it. They said, hey guys, great podcast. I've been enjoying it for quite some time now, and it is the perfect accessory to my ALTTPR addiction. I was very excited to hear about a potential small scale, small scale and lower skill podcast mini tournament on the last episode, and I had a couple of thoughts I wanted to share. So they go on to say that they like the idea of a uh, tournament for beginners. Um, they also were maybe wondering if we might release, uh, you know, some kind of guidelines to help people determine whether or not it's a tournament that makes sense for you to try to get involved in, uh, involved in, uh, which I think is reasonable. And they also had some uh, suggestions for future episodes, um, which we really appreciate. And then at the end, they said, thanks for the many hours of great content and keep it coming for as long as you can from underscore CP. So CP, thank you so much for the email. Uh, love the uh, suggestions that you gave us. I'm definitely in line with some things that we are looking on doing uh, in the future here. And let's talk a little bit, uh, as we teased earlier, about this Go Mode tournament. Because I would say we're at the point where we are ready to go ahead and open this thing up and start getting some submissions in from, from yeah. the general public. Yep. Um, yeah, so I don't know what if we want to say kind of the caveat I want to give everybody up front is we're going to put out this this Google you know doc sign-up form thing. But uh, depending on responses and kind of our own sorting through things and figuring out what works, uh, basically the nothing is finalized until the first match happens. Mm -hmm. We could mm -hmm. have a scenario where we have 100 people sign up and that requires us to use very different standards than if we have 10 people sign up. So, you know, while this is what we are intending, we're kind of reserving the right and ability to modify things to make sure that this is actually enjoyable for everybody. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, and I think that's an important to put out there. I, what I would call this form, which check the description of this episode and you'll surely see a link to be able to download that um, now. Uh, we want to release that as the episode goes out. Um, this is to say I am interested in participating, um, knowing that, you know, how that participation pans out could change depending on the amount of participants overall that we have because that's going to determine how kind of how we set things up i will say uh there is going to be a way to sign up as a runner and again you know as mentioned in cp's email this is going this is meant to be a beginner tournament so we want people who have never participated in a tournament before or maybe you know a couple qualifiers or one round of a community tournament and then they were done you know those are the kind of players that we want to get out there and give them an opportunity to go through the tournament experience and you know maybe even have some people commentating on the, on them playing and be able to watch themselves play against someone else you know playing the same seed which is invaluable to helping you get better at this game so that's what we're looking to provide you'll be able to sign up and say yes i would like a uh, i'm interested in participating as a uh, participant and then we'll have our mentors um, these are people who are uh, maybe a little bit better at the game who are not going to be directly participating, but they will be teamed up um, either as a general pool or one-to-one. -one. We're still working on that as uh, mentors to the beginner runners, helping them to route through and walk through the seed. Uh, so if you are more experienced and you want to be involved and you're interested in doing something like that, we'll have a sign up for you to click on to let us know, you know uh, who you are and, and what your availability is. Um, tentatively, I'm going to say we'll leave this open until the end of May. 
if you're listening to this and hearing about this for the first time and it's like June 2nd, you know, shoot us an email. We'll, maybe we can get you in. But we're going to cap this at the end of May. Uh, get your submissions in if you're at all interested. And, hey, also, if you uh, say you're interested and then we announce the format of the tournament and you're suddenly not interested anymore, it doesn't sound like your thing, that's totally fine. You know, you didn't know the, you know, what it, what it was going to be from the beginning, and if you need to back out, you can. But what we'd really like is just to hear from anyone who thinks that this is something that they'd like to do. So Yeah, mm-hmm. get, getting an idea on numbers will really help us figure out yeah. what we're going to do. You know, it's really, yeah. Uh... Yeah. It, it really has to be our first step kind of to figure out and see like a general idea of how many people will be interested and then we can go from there and have a much more informed decision yep. yeah like again like i was alluding to like if we have 100 people say they want to do this then we are you know we might do swiss brackets whatever you know certain things would get kicked out immediately as options like we wouldn't do like a group stage to start mm-hmm. out or anything like that but if we only have like eight people sign up then just do a bracket. Looking at, at yeah. a, you know, just starting in a bracket or starting with a group or something like that. So the yeah. number of people who sign up are really going to determine what this ends up looking like. Yeah. And we talked in our last episode about quantifying skill at this game. I believe what we're going to do is a self-assessment um, that is uh, not unlike what Zeitnix had uh, suggested. So shout out to Zeitnix. Um, it's just going to be asking you some questions about, you know, some of the things you are able to do in the game. You know, what your general time is. Um, how many tournaments have you participated in? And again, you know, we're assuming most people are going to be saying zero, so don't feel bad about that. Uh, but it is going to be kind of a self-assessment sort of thing, so be prepared to answer those questions. And you know, I hopefully it goes without saying, but everyone just you know be nice and honest on those. Um, we just want everyone to have fun and, and be you know appropriately paired up when it comes to you know skill level. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it won't be fun for either player if we have someone who has never played rando play somebody who was on the cusp of making the fall tournament right. in the very first match. That's yeah. that's not helpful for either player. Exactly. So Cool. So, yeah, again, uh, to CP, thank you so much for that email. If you'd like to send us an email, share your thoughts on a tournament, um, you know, suggestions for rupee farming, uh, anything like that, uh, you can send that to email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also tweet it to us. We're on Twitter at gomodepodcast. And we have our Discord that we talk about uh, all the time because we love being on there and talking to our <laughs> friends about randomizers. So we have a link yeah. to join that discri- uh, to join our Discord in the description of this episode yeah, we, as well. We talk there a lot too. So if you just have like random comments, like I think there was somebody temp last night who was talking about doing their uh, their first ever uh, Master Sword yeah. Ganon. And uh, we were like, oh, cool. You know, people put in the, the Master Sword emote. I just saw that you, you know, gave them a, an attaboy. And, yeah. Yeah, we, we, we follow it pretty closely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, join it and you can hear all of our inner thoughts and, <laughs> you know, tell jokes. With us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and actually, that reminds me, um, another uh, listener to the show uh, going by the name of Zylo Price uh, submitted a quick correction to us that I wanted to make sure we read about our last episode uh, going up the second half of Ganon's Tower, that uh, fairy room that you can bonk into. Um, I think during the episode I had said something like, uh, you you have to have the boots to be able to bonk back, or uh, you have to have... Um, I, oh, I said you have to have the hookshot because you have to hookshot back because there's no way to bonk back. When in fact, there is another option, you can bonk jump, which I, I just totally forgot to say that. So shout-outs to Zylo for uh, that correction and um, you know the Discord and the email and all that. 
uh, are also great for if you hear something and you're like, well, they forgot to, you know, we love to hear that kind of stuff and, and address that too. So, um, all right, let's see. Axial, how can people watch you play uh, all sorts of Zelda randomizers? <laughs> uh, so that's going to be on uh, Twitch at uh, SA underscore Axial. Uh, or, in, again, our friendly Discord, you can uh, shoot me a ping or whatever, and uh, I generally try to respond at some point. <laughs> All right, Herf? Very vague. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Herf, what about you? Uh, well, you can find me at twitch.tv slash herfydurfy. I'm uh, apparently back in the game, baby. Nice. So, yeah. uh, there, there should be more going on there in the near future. And, of course, also, as uh, my co-hosts both mentioned on our Discord, I'm also checking in there all the time to see what's going on. Yep. Same for me. I'm in there a good bit. I wasn't the last two weeks, but I'm, I'm back in there now. Uh, and uh, we're also not streaming a whole lot the past two weeks, but if I do stream, you can watch that at twitch.tv slash temp underscore. Uh, I'll be playing some rando later today, I think. Um, so, yeah, check me out there. Um, okay, so we've been talking a lot about rupee farming. I'm really uh, happy to announce, guys, I've been saving up my rupees, saving them up, and I finally was able to afford this shiny, brand new magic mirror that I got from the bottle vendor. So Nice. Yeah, it looks let's good, right? Let's put it to good use. Yeah, all right. Let's go ahead and gaze into it. Let's mirror out. Let's mirror out.